Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hey, yo, White Sox fans, NWI Steve here. Welcome to Sox on Tap postgame show edition, breaking down a White Sox 4-1 to loss to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County of California of the Pacific Time Zone. Joined tonight by my co-host, Mr. Sean Roberts. Before we get going here, breaking down whatever the hell this thing was, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, as our buddy Buzz would like to say. Sean, another day, White Sox went out there, got our hopes up yesterday, and I tweeted this out earlier on this afternoon. They had that game last night to get everybody's hopes up, and as Johnny would always say, don't get up for the letdown. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, obviously, a uh, little... Uh, Socks on tap after dark here. Um, it's it's been tough the last few nights, but uh, but yeah, this we're in baseball hell right now. We really are. This is like the worst thing as a fan base. You know, I was, I was having a conversation with a, with a uh, a friend of mine yesterday, and I just said, I need two things. I need two things to happen here. I need the socks to either lose ten in a row and just end all hope, right? Or I need them to win 10 in a row and be like, okay, this can happen. What we're getting right now is we're getting one win, two losses, one win, one loss, two wins, two losses. Um, it's just a, it's a constant battle of we can't get over the hump. We get to 500, we lose two in a row. Then we get back to 500, we're like, oh, hey, we've won three in a row. Then we lose two in a row. And it's, it's just – it's extremely frustrating. You see all the fun that's happening with Cleveland and Minnesota and – and knowing and God, that, that just makes me miserable, doesn't it? Doesn't just, it? Just miserable. I even put in our group chat tonight the walk off home run from Naylor, and I said, "Listen, dude's a psychopath, and I hate him." But it'd be nice to have a little life like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> it really would. But then that begs the question: Is what comes first, the success, then the fun, or the fun, then the success? Yeah. So with this team, as as you talked about, it's just been a lot of lateral movement all season, unable to really gain any kind of traction for any sustained period of time. And just more of the same today. Went out there last night, put up 11 runs. You go to bed feeling good. You have an opportunity to win a series here today against an Angels team that is not playing particularly well overall, the way the Sox are much in the same breath. And they just went out there pretty lifeless. Once again, they had a couple of opportunities to score some runs against Shohei Otani. Ultimately, were never able to do it and end up now losing a series in Anaheim, which they have done every single season since 2011. Hence, I titled this episode, The Unhappiest Place on Earth. 
Oh, it, it, it really is. And I think, you know, you talk about, you know, chances and stuff like, I think, uh, I forget what it was, but I saw your tweet where it was like that, that was your, that was our chance right there. And unfortunately we've had that a lot this season with this team is we all see it and know it as a fan base. We can tell, um, when these teams get a chance, when, when this team gets a chance to make the big hit, right? Like we, we, we need the big hit where we can get two runs or get back in a ball game or make some noise. We come up flat. We get the, the little rollover ground ball to second base or the, the double play or the pop-up and it's just so deflating. Um, but yeah, it's every t- I just going to the West coast in general, isn't fun. Uh, for this team always has at least since I feel like I've been a fan outside of the uh, the ALCS back in 05 um, it's just it sucks and then yeah like you said 2000 you said 2012 was the last time that 2011 they or 11 about this on the, on the broadcast it was two months before Mike Trout's call up to the major leagues it's just noodle that one that's <laughs> just sad it's just sad, man. I, 35 and 39. 35 and 39. Six, six games back, four back in the loss column. That's the only thing that you can really hang your hat on at this point. It's just a very difficult and frustrating situation. Like you talked about, it almost would be better to see them in some regards go on a prolonged losing streak to every, put everyone out of their misery. But they're just moving sideways here. And that's the thing that is tough is they're just giving you just a little bit of hope that maybe just maybe today's the day that it turns around once a week. Yeah. Once a week, I feel like we're getting that glimpse of what this team could be. Right. We get, we get the glimpse of what this team can be. They put up all the runs yesterday. It's, it's funny. I go, I go on my radio show on Tuesday morning. I'm like, I'm giving up on the season. I'm done. Like we don't even need to talk about the white Sox anymore. Like it's over. I go on the radio this morning. I'm like, Listen, planning the parades back on, baby. Here we go. Let's go, socks. And then uh, I get to do it tomorrow morning. And go, yep, season's over again. But that's what I feel like we're going through as a fan base every single day. If you, if uh, if you're on Twitter.com, like you like like you like to say, there, it's just it's a swing of emotions every single day, and it's just what you get when you're in baseball hell. It really is. It really is. All right, let's get into some of the game action here today. Premium pitching matchup, and that's one of the things that I was really excited about, seeing Shohei Otani go out there against Michael Kopech. And this is the type of matchup that really gets me excited as a fan, as someone that loves to watch high-end starting pitching, two guys scoring off against each other. This was one that, on paper, looked like it was going to be a pretty strong pitching matchup. And for the most part, it lived up to that. Um, you know, first inning, Sox actually went out there, put together some quality at bats against Shohei Otani, drove up his pitch count. I think he threw 25, 26 pitches in that first inning. TA leading off the, the ball game with base hit to right field. Um, Jose Abreu again following him up, had a nice four hit night here tonight, as our uh man Josie liked to comment here. Uh, 17th career four hit game for Jose Abreu and nothing to show for it, which my God, how frustrating is that? So put themselves in a position there in the first inning with a couple of men on unable to take advantage of it. One of the things that was really interesting. And one of the things I like to watch when I'm looking at starting pitchers is I like to try to look at patterns and see what guys are doing. And Stone and Benetti were talking about this on the broadcast. 
for almost the first five innings of this game, Shohei Otani was starting off almost every hitter outside of A.J. Pollock's second at bat with first pitch breaking balls. And the White Sox failed to make any kind of an offensive adjustment to that. Sean, what are your thoughts on what you saw from Shohei Otani and the approach that he took out there against the Sox hitters? I like the approach, and this is this is the thing. If you can get over a first pitch breaking ball, that's that's huge because it when and then especially when you throw when you can hit triple digits, you start throwing over first pitch breaking balls, that's a game changer. But you know what you're taught as a hitter is if you get a first pitch breaking ball, you're taking that right. That's not your pitch. That's not what you're looking for. But if it's a if it's a consistent trend, and this comes down this comes down to coaching and making adjustments in the game itself. Um, yeah, like maybe the first time through the lineup, if he's going first pitch breaking ball, um, you you take that. But if it's continuing in your second at bats, jump on it. Don't wait for the 101 mile per hour fastball in your hands. Jump on the breaking ball. If it's going to be a strike, which it was for the most part, or he he felt confident enough that it was going to be, it's going to be around the plate. Take a swing at it. And that was one thing we did not see from the Sox lineup here tonight is they were unwilling to make that adjustment consistently. And like you said, Shohei Otani was regularly getting ahead in counts with for lack of a better term, get me over breaking balls. Yeah. And this team wasn't showing any kind of a willingness to go up there in attack mode to put themselves in position to get more guys on base. So after squandering that opportunity in the top of the first, the Angels go out there, top part of their order. Um, you know, Taylor Ward leads off with a base hit. And then Mike Trout does what he does, ropes an RBI double into the left center field gap right there to score Ward. Angels are on the board quickly. One to nothing. And, you know, right now you're thinking, okay, well, top part of this Angels lineup, first four guys we we all know are very dangerous. And we knew that that was going to be the main focal point for Michael Kopech here tonight. And got off to a very rocky start there, followed that off with a walk to Shohei Otani, and then was able to get uh, Walsh to hit into a what could have been a 3-6-1 inning-ending double play, however, was not able to execute and turn that double play as the throw was able to get away from Michael Kopech, allowing a second run to score there. Sean, what were your thoughts? What did you see there? Um, just standard White Sox baseball in 2022, right? Like you you, you get the ground ball, um, help, help yourself and get out of an inning possibly, and, and of course uh, the Sox squander it and a run ends up scoring, um, which ended up, ultimately being the game-winning run uh, with that second run there in the first. But I like the way, and then we can dive in a little bit more, but you know, obviously that's a rough first inning there for Michael. But what I liked from him was that bounce back. Uh, he, I think he got what was it the home run or the base hit or double down the uh, down the right field line. Um, but before that, he was he was shutting the Angels down after that inning, and that's what you like to see from from uh, the starting pitching um, and it's, it was going to be a battle. Like that's what you get, right? Like, and Benetti and stone and, and Hawk always used to say, you got to jump on these pitchers early, right? Angels were able to jump on Kopech early. They got to him early. Cause then he settled in um, and the Sox had that chance with Shohei there in the top of the first. And unfortunately they weren't able to capitalize. Um, and then Shohei got in a rhythm. 
Kopech got in rhythm as well, but the unfortunate thing for the White Sox was he had already given up two runs at that point. So. And that's a great point that you that you make there, Sean. And I think Kopech really did do a nice job of bouncing back after that tough first inning there, getting himself into a groove on a night where he really didn't have his best stuff mm-hmm. overall, if you look at it. Fastball velocity was down a little bit tonight, looking at about 93, 94, and didn't really have a sharp, tight breaking ball to complement that tonight. He did have the six innings here over, or excuse me, six strikeouts over five and a third innings, but it wasn't that sharp, crisp stuff that we have seen for a majority of the season. It almost looks as though he might be going through a little bit of a dead arm period right now. And that is something almost to be expected given the lack of innings that he has thrown throughout the course of his major league career last year, being primarily a relief pitcher, making a couple of spot starts in there. So, we knew there was going to be a little bit of a ramp up period here. And it looks like right now we might be getting close to one of those dead arm periods here from Michael Kopech, but he went out there and he was able to battle. And I think that's an important sign for him in his development. You know, Steve Stone talks about this all the time that as a starting pitcher, a lot of times you're going to go out there in a 10 start stretch, you're going to have your best stuff. Maybe two or three times you're going to have two or three times where you have absolutely nothing. And then that remainder, which really is kind of what we saw from Michael Kopech tonight. You're just going to have to battle and you're going to have to grind and you're going to have to find a way to get some outs. So to your point right there, he did do, I think, a pretty solid job of keeping this team in the game, finding a groove in the middle innings here and ultimately giving this team an opportunity to come back, which they were unable to do. Yeah, and here's the thing too, Steve, and and this has been kind of a story for White Sox pitching in general, is whenever they give up runs early, whether it's one or two runs in those first couple innings, it's magnified because of the inconsistency with the offense, right? Like we know as a fan base that this team struggles to score runs. Yeah, maybe once a week they'll go, hey, all of a sudden there's an eight spot or an 11 spot, and then you go, you get one the next day, but everything's magnified. When you're not when you're, when you're not hitting the ball or you're not scoring runs, giving up one or two runs, you leave no room for air. So that puts a lot of pit pressure on the pitching staff to where you give up two runs in the first inning against Shohei Otani, and we're all going, well, ball game, it's over right? Because we know we're not scoring runs and sure enough, look what happens. So all that stuff gets magnified. You put pressure on yourself. So any other season, if the, if the Sox are scoring runs, giving up, he ended up giving what four, uh, four was it three earned? I think yeah. um, that, that's a good start. I'll take that start any day of the, any, any day of the week. Problem is when your team's not scoring, it looks worse than it actually really is. You're absolutely right. Sox did have another opportunity in the top of the fourth to chip away at Shohei Otani. Luis Robert leads off with a base hit. Jose Abreu, another base hit to right field there, his second of four on the evening. So you have your first two runners on to start the inning here with nobody out. Gavin Sheets then comes up and hits an absolute piss rod right at Mike Trout. And this has just kind of been a microcosm of the season. This team has an opportunity. And unfortunately, you do see them hit balls hard in certain situations and then the ball will either just die or be right at somebody they followed that up then aj pollock strikes out he's really been in a funk here of late um shohei otani was really utilizing that splitter to put guys away when he was getting ahead of in counts pitch, pitch look damn good yeah i mean that's look the fact of the matter is i don't, I don't care who you are up there, whether you're a struggling White Sox offense or, you know, we saw him do this against the Yankees earlier in the season. If he is getting ahead of guys consistently 
01, 02, and then being able to utilize that pitch to wipe people out, you've got no chance. And we Grab saw that here tonight. Um, Larry Garcia was actually able to work a walk in this inning here. And then Josh Harrison comes up and ultimately strikes out to end another threat. So the White Sox wasted an opportunity with the first two runners of the inning reaching base. Once again, don't score. Yeah, and you know I understand Josh Harrison's been playing – some decent baseball over over the last week or so hitting the ball. But why is it, Steve, whenever the Sox do have a chance at making some noise, right? Like they, they, they got a chance to, to score some runs. Why is it Larry Garcia's at the dish? Why oh, is it? We'll that, get to that later. Why is it that, why is it that Josh Harrison's at the, give, why can't we have a Jose Abreu at bat? I, Luis Robert at bat, Andrew Vaughn at bat. Um, Tim Anderson at bat. You know what I mean? Like, why, why is it always those guys? Too many opportunities for for just bad at bats. And obviously, yes, we can get into this. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's going to lead us to the, we we know why. Yeah, that's going to lead us to the next and final scoring opportunity that the Sox would have in the top half of the sixth inning. Jose Abreu, another base hit. Uh, AJ Pollock then would get a base hit after Shohei Otani was lifted after five and two thirds innings. So Sox are in a position where they've got two runners on base wild pitch then happens. And you've got Larry Garcia up at the plate runners on second and third, two out. You've got an opportunity here, a two nothing game, a base hit puts you right back in this thing. Larry Garcia, as he so often does is unable to come through. I don't want to hear about the home run in game three. He's got a sub 500 OPS on the season. Like you said, Sean, it's always Larry in these spots. It, it, it is. And it's so like, as soon as you know, like as soon as you know, a spot's coming up, you, you see the rally kind of happening, right? And you're getting all excited and you go, uh, Larry's coming up, you know, and every once in a while, he surprised us with a little bloop over, you know, the shortstop or uh, or a little line drive. But those happen very often or uh, very few times. And um, I, you know, I had this conversation. We've all had this conversation with White Sox fans. Leary's great on your roster, right? He's great being a 26 man. He's great if he plays once a week or he fills in here and there. When Leary Garcia is playing every day or maybe gets one off day a week. That's not good. And, and it's just, it's, it's really hurting this team really badly in certain, in, in a lot of situations. Um, but it is what it is. It's the cards that were dealt. We know he's not going away anytime soon. The people that are like, Oh, Leary needs to be DFA. That ain't happening. Um, homie's going to be here for a little bit. Um, so it's just, it's, it's depressing and I can't take it anymore, man. <laughs> it is unbelievably frustrating here. We are 74 games into the season. Larry Garcia has, I want to say about 185 plate appearances and simply put for a team Asinine. that fancied themselves as a viable world series contender to see that happening is really laughable because you're not he, serious. Like you're no, not, you're not that's, serious. That's a sign of an unserious organization. Do you think Larry Garcia would have 185 plate appearances with the Houston Astros nope. or the Toronto Blue Jays nope. or the New York Yankees or nope. the Dodgers or the Braves or any other the Minnesota twins? No. The Minnesota twins. No, no, no. He's playing so, on Sundays. He's exactly. a Sunday guy. So that just kind of shows where this organization is at. So they miss another scoring opportunity there in the top half of the sixth, and 
just as it so often happens, baseball karma comes back to get this team in the bottom half of the inning. Kopech is able to get Shohei Otani to strike out to lead off the inning. Jared Walsh lead off base hit. And then Luis Renjifo comes up. He had smoked a double down the line earlier in the game. Comes up. The big blow, two-run homer to straightaway center to give the Angels a 4-0 lead, and that was really the death nail in the coffin here tonight. Um, a lot of conjecture on Twitter.com and and various you know social media platforms about whether or not Michael Kopech should have still been in the game at this point. Sean, what were your thoughts? Who are you going to put in Jose Ruiz? I think people at that juncture were maybe thinking start the inning off with Ronaldo Lopez, given that Kopech, I think, was at about 88 pitches to start the inning there. So Okay, but at at what point I'm I, I understand like people wanting to go to another guy, right? Like, but at what point does Kopech he has to start throwing over 80 pitches, right? Like it's at, at some point he has to keep building that arm up. Um, and frankly, the way he was kind of on cruise control there. After the first inning, why not keep going with them? At least for another inning, right? Like I don't, I don't know. It's what that's one of those toss-up things. Yeah, you could go Lopez. Um, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "That's why the Sox lost," because um, they kept Kopech in for one too many hitters. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to. That I won't hate Tony on. But if he would have taken take taken him out, I would be like, "Okay, I get it. I understand it." Yeah, and I think that's probably where I was at with it as well. Ultimately, you gotta go out there and you gotta execute pitches. Um, Michael Kopech, you know, <laughs> would have had an opportunity. I mean, let's let's be real about this. He was one pitch away from yep. getting out of the inning and pitching six innings, quality start, leaving with a two-nothing deficit. So yep. if you get that ground ball double play to end the inning, who knows? Maybe this team has a little bit of life in them. And maybe they realize, hey, we're in this game. It's it's a manageable deficit. Maybe we can make a comeback against this Angels bullpen. Once it got to four nothing, it really just felt like the wind was completely out yeah. of the sails at that point. Um, I don't know about you. I have no confidence in this 2022 team and their ability to overcome large deficits. Once you see that four spot go on the board right there, it really just feels like it's game over. Yeah, and and it you just you got that vibe right, like after the the Garcia out. And then, of course, you're like, we're already deflated as a fan base, and and I would assume probably a team there, right? Like that's a big spot um, that you weren't able to come through. And then you go out there, and you're like, okay, well, it is still only two nothing. And then you get the bomb, and that's kind of like, oh, that's it. He, this one's this one's done, and let's just pack it up and go to San Fran. Sox were able to get on the board in the top half of the eighth inning. Luis Robert reached on a throwing error by Velasquez, Angels shortstop. Jose Abreu followed it up with his fourth single of the night right there. Gavin Sheets hits into a fielder's choice. Uh, Angels unable to turn a double play on that. And then some wild pitch offense, uh, courtesy of Ryan Tapera, or, or that was probably more pass ball offense via Max Stassi, uh, kind of letting one go through the five hole there to get the Sox on the board, making it a four to one deficit. But ultimately, that is where the scoring action would stop on the night for the Sox. Here's what it comes down to ultimately. And I talk about this, and I've been talking about this at length for weeks now. This team had seven hits tonight, all seven of them were singles. You are not going to win baseball games in the year 2022 
with seven singles. It's not 1952 anymore. You need to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We saw it last night. They hit three home runs, and they won the baseball game. Seven singles is not going to get it done. This team's inability to slog with any kind of regularity this season is ultimately why they are 35 and 39, six games out of first. I can't for the life of me understand where the power has gone this season, but that is ultimately the biggest culprit of why they are where they are. Ball go far, team go far. And 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 this is what I mean. Like last night was a prime example. It's it, it's there. We know it's there. We've seen it, and then it just disappears just like that. Um, with one one uh one sleep, right? Like you wake up the next day and all of a sudden it's seven singles. Well, seven singles in in 1939 is probably getting you a couple runs, right? Like that's exciting. Uh, 2022, if you're not putting the ball over the fence, I mean, good luck. It's not going to happen for you. Um, just, it's just, it's inconsistencies. It's the story of the season. Um, it, it's, and real quick and, and not to, not to just like squirrel moment here, but when you're talking about that eighth inning, um, real glad that we got a Broadway show, um, courtesy of Yohan Mankata. Um, been missing that for a little bit. Glad I finally got to see it. Um, you know, the whole, the whole deal there, but yeah, just had to, I had to get that in because it's just so infuriating. Uh, <laughs> I had that's, to. That's that's the ultimate rep. Uh, that's the ultimate <laughs> bow on on this one here. So mercifully, mercifully, the Sox will have the day off tomorrow before they head to Oracle Park in San Francisco to battle the Giants. First time playing the Giants out in San Francisco since I was there in 2014. How uh, how do you think this one goes? Well. We'll get one, right? Like we're not gonna get. I don't think we get swept. We're gonna we'll get one. I, I think if the, I think if they're gonna get one, I think Friday night will be the night to do it. So we'll preview that one here. Lance Lynn taking the mound, the big bastard, going out there against Alex Cobb, who has really struggled for the Giants this season. Pitched to a five forty seven ERA. Um, you know this Giants team, they are hanging around in third place in the ultra competitive NL West right now, behind the Dodgers and the Padres. This is a good, solid, fundamental baseball team, a team that won 107 games a year ago. They have regressed significantly, I would say, to this point here in the 2022 season. But this is still a good baseball team, a good, fundamentally sound team, and one that is ultimately a playoff caliber squad. So the Sox are going to have to go out there, play clean, crisp baseball, which we know has been a struggle for them throughout the course of the season. What are you expecting to see from Lance Lynn Friday night? I want to see Lance go six strong. I, I he's got. I, I need emotion, right? Like, and I and I, we're not going to not get that with a Lance Lynn start. I want. I need emotion. I need someone screaming or yelling. Yeah, and the good thing with Lance Lynn is you get that every five days. You know what you're going to get out of Lance, right? You're probably going to get six innings. It's going to keep you in a ball game. It's going to keep you within reach or with a lead. Um, and that's that's what's great about having him is he's kind of. Maybe Dylan Cease, you could throw in this conversation. He's kind of that stopper, right? Like if you if you need a win, he's good. He's the best one you can have out there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm expecting Lance go six, maybe seven, if it's uh, if it's if it's pumping and uh, keep it keep it close, man, keep it close. But what kind of nonsense is San Francisco trying to pull, optioning Yurine Mercedes down right before the White Sox come to town? Come on, need storylines here. 
Side yeah. Throwdown. Yeah, you know, they they really are uh depriving the baseball world of the <laughs> the Yermin Mercedes versus Tony LaRusa narrative right, that yeah. I think a lot of people were were hoping for this weekend. Um ultimately I think the Giants know what Yermin Mercedes is. Um there's still a segment of the White Sox fan base that for some reason thinks that Yermin Mercedes is something that he isn't. But the Giants are actually a smart organization, unlike yeah. our Chicago White Sox. So they've realized that he's just a fill-in guy every once in a while. And, um, well, now he found himself back in uh, AAA Sacramento, I think it is, uh, for, for the Giants there. So we're not going to get to see him this weekend here, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. So heading into the game on Friday against Alex Cobb, Sean, who are you thinking on pick to click? Oh God! Uh, and I would like to th- say Andrew Vaughn, but I've seen Tony Larusa was like he's going to have two days off, so I don't know if that's two games or whatever because everyone's on leg control. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll go with TA because I'm pretty positive that I know I went with TA tonight, but I'm pretty positive he'll be in the lineup. So I'll go with TA again. You stole my thunder there. <laughs> so knowing the dimensions there at Oracle Park, there there's some big gaps in there. And I'm hoping maybe, just maybe, that A.J. Pollock, being a guy that has spent a lot of time in the NL West throughout the course of his career with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Los Angeles Dodgers, maybe, just maybe, he can poke one into that right center field gap to hit himself a triple. So I'm going to go ahead and take A.J. Pollock to hopefully get back on track and hopefully help this team get back in the win column. Really want to go out there, see the big bastard, attack the strike zone early and often against the San Francisco Giants and hopefully get this series off to a good start because this team is going to need it right now. They need to find some way to start stacking some victories here, and Friday night is the night to go ahead and get that party started. How many games is Gavin Sheets playing in right field this series? That is a terrifying, terrifying notion. I'm going two out of three. Man, I, you know, I th- I think there's a good chance we probably see Adam Hazley out there in right field I hope. to I start hope. the series there. But, yeah, that is just a terrifying notion, the idea of seeing either Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets out there in that spacious outfield there at Oracle Park near the Bay in San Francisco. Oh, nightmare fuel. It really, really is. Well, that's going to do it here for us tonight at Sox on Tap. Be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow my guy, Sean, at Sean23Roberts on, I think it's Twitter.com. I believe that's the website right there. Follow me at NWI underscore Steve. Follow at Sox on Tap and at ontapsportsnet. Sean, pleasure doing this one with you it's a late night for both of us here we got through it hopefully, we got through it baby hopefully friday get this thing back on track here white Sox for life right forever